Chapter 1, Wayfair welcomes you to the Waberhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the Waberhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trinsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, scheming families, conniving con men, and dangerous killers. We saw a lot of great series and documentaries on the small screen this year. We'll each give our list for the best TV of 2022. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. Also, finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Guys, I've got some breaking news to let you know about here in our final episode of 2022. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. This is our last episode coming to you from the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Oh, no. Did we lose our sponsor? No, we did not lose our sponsor. Alyssa, who has been sponsoring us for a billion years and is the owner of the yoga loft, which is above a bodega in wait, Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. We should mention she has the highest Patreon level, which is only available to one person. Right. She gets it. She gets the studio naming rights. She's had a great business opportunity where she is merging with a new yoga uh, uh, empire. Collective. And collective. And so next week we will uh, unveil the new name of our studio. But we're, wow. not, oh. we're not losing Alyssa. We're just reflecting the growth in her business, which is fantastic. I feel like we like unveiled this one Patreon level many years ago thinking no one would grab it. Mm-hmm. And someone did. And now it's been monopolized. Maybe we should like make that square egg studio. But maybe we uh, should make like multiples of those available and like rotate them. Because Alyssa has been dominating this. I, I'm like happy for her. No, we're, we're we're loyal to Alyssa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's let her have it. Let's you don't have you it. don't change TD Bank North to nah, uh, yeah. right. you know, Eastern Bank to you can you have know. it forever, forever. But we may raise your rent in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we've known you've merged. <laughs> All right. So Kevin, uh, we are obviously on Thursday's program, the best of the year. But what is coming up 
on next year's program. Well, next year, we're going to be talking about the latest season of Verified. The podcast is called Full Disclosure. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. We have a lot to talk about, though, with our best TV picks of the year, so we should just get right down to it, right? Read the thing I wrote for you. Netflix, Hulu, and HBO, along with hits from Peacock and Apple TV+, Plus, came in strong in 2022. There were adaptations from podcasts and true crime, thought-provoking documentaries, and several favorites that returned for new seasons. There was even a girl-powered supernatural thriller. But which TV shows and documentaries truly stood out? We'll hear from all the crime writers for our best TV of 2022. Before we begin, though, much thanks to listener Linnea Motter for managing our list of reviews. Thanks, Linnea. Thank you. On CrimeWritersOn.com. All of our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews are there. Also, all of our top 10 lists are listed in our show notes for this episode and our CrimeWritersOn.com. You know, Linnea just does that. And I just, just want to say. It's fantastic. She just does it. And That's I want to say, Kevin, yeah. once again. This is our best of reviews podcast. Maybe we've watched some TV shows that we liked also that are not included, right? I think that's implied. The World yes. Cup final, for instance. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Maybe I've watched a reality show or two that I liked. We are talking about what we talked about on the podcast this well, year. We'll tell people how they can find that out later. Correct. On. All right. Let's go. I'm going to go ahead and start the discussion right now with my number 10 pick for 2022, and that is Undercurrent. So immediately when I heard that the submarine was missing, and I said, now it has finally happened. I didn't know at that time anything about Kim. We only knew that she was a journalist doing her job. All right, so this was Aaron Lee Carr's two-part HBO documentary that looked at the life and death of journalist Kim Vall and the murder trial of Peter Madsen. This is the guy who killed her on his homemade submarine. This was an incredibly well-done, balanced, and sympathetic victim portrait. For me, it was an instant classic and a really great companion to the scripted series that was also on HBO the investigation. I really, really love this documentary. I loved it so much that I actually want another podcast to talk about it. Um, Kevin, what came in at number 10 for you? My number 10 pick is NBC's The Thing About Pam. She's family. She's there for you. She's your neighbor. She's your friend from church. She's the one you never see coming. But that's the thing about Pam. So this, again, is the dramatization based on the podcast, based on the NBC Dateline news report. Uh, so it's a super meta look at the Pam Hupp case. It's got a very campy kind of take, very self-aware. When you hear Keith Morrison narrating himself, you know that's sort of the attitude they're going for. Uh, it's not perfect. I had problems with Renee Zellweger wearing a fat suit, and sometimes the laughs kind of came at the expense of the victims. However, Renee just kind of plays this with a lot of relish. It's a fun ride, and at the very end, she breaks the fourth wall, talks directly to camera about how we consume this story. So I thought that this was worthy of uh, the top ten list. Let's move on to our number nine picks. Toby? What is number nine on your list? Captive audience. A bizarre story with a happy ending. Well, everybody wants a happy ending. 
and not very many true stories are a happy ending. I'd heard about this story from Outside Magazine, I think, which had an article about Carrie Stainer, who uh, murdered several people in a national park, and I'm spacing on which one. And I knew that his brother had been kidnapped and then had come back, but I didn't know the story behind that. So this documentary is that full story of that family. You know, I think there's a template out there for making good true crime television series. And I think that when you take a look at different shows, sometimes what you're looking for is how do they deviate from that template or how do they innovate within that template? I think that I really like that this one did is that there was a a made for TV series about this family and they showed clips from the series. And then they also had the actors who played the kids in the series now as adults read some of the transcripts uh, from the court cases at least the way I kind of was looking at it is I thought it was a really interesting way of kind of, you know, while you're telling the story, also taking a look at how did the public perceive the story? How did the public receive what happened through this made for TV movie? And then hearing from these actors who, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about these people and and actually playing them, they both sort of spoke the lines and then also were kind of reflected on it. So that's my number nine. So glad you picked this one, Toby. Kevin, what is your number nine pick? Uh, it is a friend of the family. Do you, do you know what a pedophile is? Is, is it a medical term? Well, uh, actually, I, I'm just I'm just hearing the word for the first time myself. Uh, apparently, it's a condition where an adult man develops a fixation on young girls. Starring Jake Lacey, Colin Hanks, Anna Paquin. This recalls the case of Bob Birchtold. Uh, he is Brother B. And like this really could have gone kind of campy because you remember the public reaction to the revelations in the documentary about this case abducted in plain sight. If you built off sort of what the audience thought about the story, it could have gone sort of in the way of the thing about Pam, but it doesn't. It really fleshes out the characters and really looks at the human dramatic insights of those events. And it finds that it's actually fertile ground for coming up with compelling character studies and giving the actors a lot to work with. It also opens up with the real-life Jan speaking straight to camera, kind of explaining why she wanted this story to be told again. It's surprisingly touching. Yeah, this thing was way more entertaining and fun than it had any right to be. I was very, very surprised at how compelling it was. This is a rare example of a true story that uh, had no right to be as good as it was. I know, Toby, you had same similar thoughts about this, right? Yeah, so this was my number seven, but it's a, I think it's a rare example of a docudrama that really kind of adds to our understanding of a case uh, that we've already heard about through a, a documentary podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also loved this show. I mean, we had Jake Lacey, who was the creepy, awful man from season one of White Lotus in this. You know, I don't know why I didn't put this on my list. Um, I did really say it's enjoy number that. eleven. I'm going to say it's number yeah, eleven on my list. Number eleven. I'm going to pull a Rebecca right now. Well, it was number nine on my list. So, Laura, what is number nine on your list? Number nine on my list is Landscapers. You see, I've, I've done something rather silly, and it might sound bad, it might sound very bad even, but it's not what it seems. Not at all. It's not what it seems and um, just needs a little bit of clearing up. That's all. So so this this was that sort of really bizarre show on HBO Max in the middle of last winter. I think it came out has Olivia Coleman 
and the guy that I just call Lupin from Harry Potter, <laughs> David Thewlis. And it's a unique, they call it unique love story. So it was this British couple and they become the focus of an investigation. There's these two dead bodies discovered in the back garden of their house in England. And what was interesting about this is it was based on real events, but it was kind of dark, but it also had a comedic side to it. And it's based on the true story of the 1988 murders of a husband and wife and you know, how, you know, the husband and wife ended up being killed by their daughter and her husband and literally buried in the back garden for quite some time. So what was interesting about this show, what I liked about it was that they they took a traditional true crime story, fictionalized it, but they did it in a way that it was really more of a cinematic experience that was something different that we hadn't seen done before. We watch so much true crime. After a while, some of it does start to all look the same. And this was, to me, really refreshing to see something out of the box, taking on a traditional true crime story. And it was really elevated by the performances of the couple in it, the husband and wife, Olivia Coleman and Lupin and Harry Potter, because they just really took it up a notch. And also the lead detective was amazing in this. So I just thought it was just super interesting because it was different and it was quirky and dark and funny. All right. So, Kevin, tell us about your number eight pick for 2022. It's the dropout. This is the kind of tech we want our name on. Why are they not actively seeking FDA approval? Our technology is extremely valuable. I don't think you're acting like a company that's financially solvent. You don't think this is suspicious? You don't understand the business. And you don't understand the science. So Amanda Seyfried really nails this as Elizabeth Holmes. She really makes the whole thing. As Ronald Young Jr. said, filling in for Toby, uh, she should get the uh, Oscar for television. And she did. Uh, It really improves on the podcast source material, the dropout. And just like Friend of the Family, it finds the dramatic possibilities in the story and gives the characters room to play in that world. It's really a study in ambition and self-delusion. But Amanda also makes Elizabeth Holmes relatable and somewhat sympathetic, even though she's running a huge swindle. Yes, so that's Laura. That's your number 10, and we should point out, and that's my number seven. And yes, as Kevin pointed out, everyone is talking about Amanda Seyfried's Emmy-winning performance, Mm -hmm. but huge props also to Naveen Andrews as Sunny Balwani. Um, And also, by the way, super hard to take a story from the news and telling it straight, but also making it fun. I mean, I just think, like, what I liked about this one is that I felt like it really brought it to another level of this relationship between, you know, Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny. (laughs) (laughs) In that we saw the background of the relationship and how they got together and they're like riding around in a little bike and all that stuff. I just felt like it took it, yes, in a fictionalized way because a lot of this was sort of imagined as to how it happened. But I felt like Amanda Seyfried's performance in this and just the other part of the story, the dynamic of how... For me, that relationship between Elizabeth and Sonny began and how it continued and how that then contributed to and also seeing the people that were involved in the like behind the scenes at Theranos that were with her from the beginning. So I I liked that part of it, seeing kind of all the other people that were involved in this. So, what is your number seven selection on our best of TV list? My number seven selection is the Tinder Swindler. Because in a sense, I still loved him, you know? Or the person I thought that he was. Like, you know, everything's a lie. But then you still have this fairy tale that's going on on your phone, you know? 
Simon with like still the heart behind it because I could never like I couldn't remove it because I still wanted him to be true you know so this was that short 90 minute show on Netflix I kind of found this a cautionary and yet entertaining tale you know we hear a lot about con men we hear about dating schemes catfishing etc the way that this story was told and played out, I love, you know, the setup with the woman that's on there, like flipping through her phone, talking about how many Tinder dates she's been on. Like she's a Tinder expert. It didn't need to be any longer than it was, but it was also um, rage inducing to see how this man was just going from one to the next and, and getting the money and like, oh, now I have my private plane. But it was very satisfying for me the like sort of with that justice warrior sort of thing I have to see how the women got him in the end. So um, for me, the Tinder swindler, maybe not as intense as some of the things we watch, but it was it was a fun watch. Lara, I will never love anything more than watching a lady sell her dude's clothes on eBay. That was that <laughs> was amazing. Incredibly satisfying. Kevin, what did you have for number seven? So my number seven pick is Gladbeck, The Hostage Crisis. You, you don't think it's better to give up? No, definitely not. This is how it will go down. Shots will be fired in there. My buddy is especially dangerous. And the last thing will be... So this, I think, is the best documentary on my list anyway. I had never heard of this crazy hostage story, a uh, bank robbery kind of gone wrong in West Germany in the late 80s. These bank robbers just get in a car with a hostage and drive to nowhere and then like hijack a bus and drive to nowhere. And then that was kind of fun. <laughs> it was. There was so much suspense because we as an, I'll say speak for myself, American audiences aren't very familiar with the story. So we didn't know. What happened? But it's all contemporaneous news coverage. The access was amazing. And we experienced Stockholm Syndrome because we're there hearing the robbers and, and uh, hijackers. And we're kind of wondering what's going to happen. Buses and cars going to nowhere. It's you know nowhere to go, nowhere to stop. This was a must watch for me. Toby, you like this one too, right? Yeah, this is my number 10. You know, it, there's not even a second of voiceover, I think. It's just all done through editing. It, it's taking newscasts and then footage and just editing it all together to tell this story. You're on the edge of your seat the whole time. I thought it was very powerful and, and just concisely told. And yeah, I, I, I loved it. Okay, so Lara, we are at number six. What was your number six TV show of the year? My number six TV show of the year was Fire Boys. I don't only want to do good for me, but I also, like, my mom's my encouragement. And, like, if I could get time knocked off and while doing something that I like, that would be, like, pretty cool. So this was that documentary about the juvenile offenders in California who were when they moved up the sort of hierarchy of good behavior within the juvenile justice system, they were granted the privilege of going out and fighting forest fires. So in the beginning, you're thinking, oh, this is really interesting. What a different approach. Hey, this is kind of cool. But then you realize this is a rage-inducing juvenile justice story because they are being sent out there into a ton of risk. They are being paid like $2 a day. And then the ones that actually decide, hey, I want to be a firefighter after they've been mentored by these experienced forest fighters out there in California are like, 
yeah, you don't qualify because you have a criminal record. So I thought this just was, I mean, it was just so unique in terms of, you know, you think about like the old days when somebody would get like sent off into the military, you know, oh, we're going to send them off to the military. Well, here they're like, we're going to send them off to fight fires. But now we're going to tell them, sorry, X, Y, and Z, you don't qualify to do this. So this was something that, uh, th- this this definitely sort of shone the light on something that's happening that could be a positive thing, but really needs to have something done to tweak the system so that, you know, there are opportunities and that these boys aren't being taken advantage of. And when you finish watching it, you're like, well, that was kind of some food for thought. It was, it was really unique. And I mean, hello, I was hoping to see Wyrick in like a guest appearance out there fighting fires in California, but alas, I did not. So there'll be a very different number six, but it's one that I really loved as well. Yeah, so uh, my number six is Candy. I just figured you had your hands full with that darling baby and that you wouldn't mind. The thing is, I'm just going to have to swing by and pick up Christina's bathing suit for the swim lesson. So is there a time that's good for you? Uh, so Candy's another docudrama that's based on a true crime. This one uh, is a very, very dark comedy. Part of what I, I liked about it is Jessica Biel, of all people, and Melanie Linsky are just both great. Like, they both just carry the whole the whole thing. I, I kind of thought it was a really feminist take on the whole case. You know, there's the Bechdel test, which is in a movie, do two women talk and it's not about a, a man? I think the reverse Bechdel test would probably be failed in this because I don't think there's a scene. Well, there is. So, like, for the most part, it's just all revolves around these women and then their husbands are they're sort of secondary and there's one scene where they're talking to each other and it's at a barbecue and they just don't have anything to say to each other. Like one says, you know, you're flipping the the bratwurst wrong or something, uh, which was pretty <laughs> funny. So anyway, just really smart writing. Uh, it has a great sort of period look to it. And again, it's, it's like Jessica Biel in particular and also Melanie Linsky are just both just like chew up the scenery. So I, I like that one a lot. All right, so Kevin, we're going to get back to more great Melanie Linsky content yeah. in a little bit. Before we do that, uh, we need to get cover the business section. Uh, so what is going on on our Patreon right now? Well, if you go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media, one of the things you can listen to is this week's Crime Writers on After Show, where we go into some of our top 10 TV picks, things that we haven't reviewed. So stuff that's not going to make our list, but other things we'd recommend that you watch. Also coming up, Toby Ball is going to be recording another Deep Dive Book Club. And for folks who want to get their homework done for the January episode, Toby, what should they be reading? The upcoming book is called Trailed, One Woman's Quest to Solve the Shenandoah Murders by Catherine Miles. It's gotten a lot of accolades. It's sort of best of 2022 true crime books. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I've got some uh, really good guests. Elsewhere in uh, Partners in Crime Worlds, the latest episode of These Are Their Stories dropped. We're looking at the classic Law & Order episode, Encore. And folks may remember this is the one that starred uh, Larry Miller, the comedian, as this obnoxious club owner. Well, uh, he came back for a second episode uh, after he, uh, you know, weaseled out of killing his first wife. This is the one with the second wife. What makes this episode really special is that our guest is the writer of that episode, Ed Zuckerman, an Emmy Award winner. He wrote more than 150 episodes, or well, I think 50 episodes. It was incredible. Yeah, he was great. Gave us some good insight, uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Talked about the four times that Dick Wolf fired him 
literally every time we asked him, like, did you meet her to that in that scene? He was like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I totally meant to do if that. If you wrote scene. into it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. Also, want to let you know because it's Thursday. There's a new uh, edition of the Crime Writers On newsletter that comes out. So if you're not getting yours, just go to crimewriterson.com, put your email address in there. We'll send it to you. You get stuff like Crime Writers On behind the scenes. You get to look at the pet of the week, you know, to look at the new Crime Writers On merch, stuff like that. All right. So, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Jediah Cummins and Andrea Scanter. Bless you. Thank you, you Patreon patron saints, and thank you for everyone who's a Patreon devil of the week. And also, thank you for everyone who's just muscling through the business section. Kevin, are we done with the business section? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, we are halfway through our favorite TV of the year that we have reviewed. Lara Bricka, we are at number five. What is your number five selection of 2022? Uh, my number five selection is Blackbird on Apple TV. We would like you to transfer to another prison and befriend someone to elicit a confession. We need the precise location of a dead body. You need it. We suspect that the man that you'll read about in that file has killed 14 women, maybe more, but we only tied him to two, and we only have one of the bodies. We'd like to find the other one, and maybe 12 more. This was unexpected. So this is a story. We have Jimmy Keene. He's beginning his prison sentence. He's like the hot guy going into jail, kind of like James Dean. And he gets an offer. You need to get a confession. If you can get a confession from this suspected killer, Larry Hall, you'll be free. And 
You know, it goes from there. So this is developed by Dennis Lehane. It's based on a novel called In With the Devil, A Fallen Hero, A Serial Killer, and A Dangerous Bargain for Redemption, which was written by James Keene, the hot guy. I don't know if he's hot in real life, but anyway. He is. So, oh, okay. All right. So what I loved about this is, first of all, the casting was tremendous, Taryn Edgerton as James Keene and Paul Walter Hauser as Larry Hall. The Larry Hall character was like off the charts in terms of the way he was played. I mean, both of them. And, you know, at first I was I was surprised I liked this as much as I did because it's kind of a typical true crime story. You've got somebody in jail and you need to do the like snitches get stitches and the celly is going to get the confession and like go and, you know, snitch. But between the casting and the pacing, And just the overall vibe of the show had a little bit of a true detective mind hunter sort of feel to me. You know, this was a real case. And so, of course, I went and looked it up afterwards. But it was kind of a surprise. I I wouldn't have thought of Apple TV as the place I was going to find a story like this and a show like this. But I really enjoyed it. Me too. It was my number eight. I fucking love this show. I know we didn't all agree on it. Taryn Edgerton, Edgerton, my new favorite. Paul Walker Hauser Revelation also. It was one of Ray Liotta's last gigs. Loved everything about this show. All right, so it's up to me. For my number five picked, I have selected the final season of Ozark. She wants to kill him. If I, if I tell him, then, you know, I put her in danger for no good reason. How about keeping him alive to keep our family safe? I say that's a pretty good reason. Wendy, you know him. He'd kill her just for thinking it. That's not our business. Not since The Americans has a scripted multi-season series held up for so long and gotten better and better and better each season. I remember when this show started and I and a lot of other people called Ozark the Breaking Bad light. But as time has passed, I have come to think of Breaking Bad as sort of this overwrought, too violent, overrated, over hyper masculine show. But Ozark. It is a great show that like sort of surpasses Breaking Bad for me. There is depth there. It's not just in the storytelling. It's not just in the performances. It's in the arc itself. There is an American story. It's about aspiration. It's about the rot of wealth. It's about the way that we use the underclass. I think about this show all of the time. It's Jason Bateman. It's Laura Linney. And of course, the exceptional Julia Garner. Jesus Christ, Marty. It landed the fucking (laughs) plane. This show for me was number five. And Toby, for you, it was also on your list. Where did it land for you? So I had it at number four. Like, I agree with just about everything you said. I think Ozark is sort of a classic series. It also got better with every season, I thought, until the last one. Like, I don't think this is the best season of Ozark, but what it does do is satisfactorily end it, uh, which I was really worried about because it was so great for so long. And like, how do you, as you say, land the plane? Because so many other shows have not done it and they definitely did. And that was an accomplishment in itself. So yeah, it was, it was number four. I'm sorry. There's not going to be another one. Speaking of number four selections, uh, the rest of us were in agreement about about this one. Uh, Kevin, what did you select? My number four pick is Bad Sisters. What we're doing is really, really bad. No, it's not. It's survival. Someone's not coming out the other side of this. 
And it's not going to be me. It sure as shit is not going to be one of my sisters. It's got a great setup here. Uh, you know, who wouldn't want a sister that would go that far for you to kill your prick of a brother-in-law? It's not a laugh a minute, but it, it's amusing while keeping this mystery going. They're two separate timelines. What happened before the prick's death? What happens afterwards? And it's like hard to keep mystery going in both of those. But they did, and I thought it was very enjoyable. The ending, I think, could have been stronger, the solution to the problem that this was facing, where you have these two life uh, insurance agents trying to solve this case. I think it was pretty obvious how everybody could have gotten what they wanted, but uh, it's a great feat of writing, acting, and directing by Sharon Horgan. I think it's fucking bullshit that more people aren't talking about the show. And I know it's on your list as well. Laura Bricker, for you, it's number four. Yeah, I loved this show. I mean, who doesn't like some, like, badass Irish sisters sit around doing their thing? And I hated the villain in this show so much that I just couldn't wait to see how he died. I just, like, hated that prick. So, I mean, I just thought it was great. I mean, you have the scenery, you've got the location porn, you've got this really interesting cast of people, and, I mean, all these ways to kill somebody. Mm. So, I loved it. Toby, where was it for you? I had it at number two. I was kind of going through the list, and I came to this, and I thought, you know, this is the show that I most looked forward to watching. I love that for you. And so I, I put it at number two for that that reason. It, it was a great watch, really good acting, good writing. I agree with Kevin, like the ending, you know, it wasn't spectacular, but it didn't sort of undermine the whole rest of it, which I found just, yeah, it's just, it just a real pleasure to watch. I love it that you have that at your number two. But here we are at our top three picks. Lara Bricker, what is your number three pick? For 2022. My number three pick is The Vow Season 2. I think everybody just assumes, you know, I knew everything and I should have known everything. But when everything started to blow up, I didn't know why, really. You know, this is the seven episode second season of the show that follows the people that are in the Nexium cult. And this second season just took it up a notch from the first season. We learned so much more about what was actually happening with Keith. Like in the first season with Keith Ranieri, we're like, oh, he's like having sex with some women and they got a brand. In the second season, you're like, shit, he knows they're getting brands. He's trying to cover it up. He's got like a sorority house filled with sex slaves. And there's a woman that was in a room for two years who couldn't leave, but actually could leave because he was mentally controlling her. But what really took season two up a notch was that we have Nexium co-founder Nancy Salzman in there. And she is extremely forthcoming about her role in the cult, her feelings now as she's coming out of it. And hello, can we ever forget the scene where Nancy Salzman sees the sex toy. <laughs> and that is why this is number three on my list. So Kevin, what is your number three pick for 2022? My number three pick is HBO's The Staircase. You didn't put in cause of death. I did. She bled out. Without skull fracture, blunt force trauma. Someone holding something caused the impact to make these wounds. That's not for me to conclude in here. 
You think the murder weapon just flew through the air, held by no one? So this really goes beyond the original documentary with its dramatic pursuits. It's more about family dynamics, but it does obviously go into the case. Uh, it plays it straight with all, I mean, the major three theories and presents each one as plausible all at once. But I do think that Colin Firth sort of captures Michael Peterson's persnickety personality, we'll say. It brings something different than the 12-hour documentary does. It really, you know, treats all the people in this show as, uh, you know, fully fleshed out, including the victim, Kathleen Peterson. And man, if you ever wanted to know, like, how the owl theory could actually work, their demonstration uh, is fucking terrifying and illuminating all at once. It really changed the way I do my walks at night. So, uh, Laura and Kevin, your number three is made nowhere on anyone else's list. Yeah. But, Toby, your number three did make other people's lists. What, way, what was number three on your list? My number three was The Patient. If I don't figure this out, he's going to strangle me and I'm going into that grave. Or the next one. I know it's crazy, but I was starting to connect with them. So this show, it's all about the writing and the acting, right? It's basically takes place on one set. I think there's a, a couple things that don't take place there. It's, it's the basement of this guy's house. Uh, the two main actors are Steve Carell and Dom Hall Gleason. And it's, you know, for people who don't know, it's about a, a serial killer who kidnaps his therapist and uh, holds him hostage. Well, he's not really a hostage. He just holds him prisoner and wants him to help him. Cure with his, him. With his mental problems. So Steve Carell plays Alan Strauss, who's the therapist. And that character is just sort of excellently written as a therapist. I th he uh, does a great job with the therapy talk and reflection and stuff. I mean, both characters are, are very well drawn. There is one scene of violence which is shockingly violent and i think in a show that's otherwise very talky it kind of it kind of reminds you of exactly what the stakes are and like who one of these two people is because after a while you know you, you kind of don't see him as a killer you see him as a guy with problems and it's like oh no like this is this is serious i also kind of thought again i, I don't know if i was reading into it or whatever but it seemed as though it had a very sort of political outlook on things and, and that they're um it had comments to make about how do you deal with unreason um, and what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So it, 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 I thought it was great. So that's why it's my number three. Same. It was like watching a play on TV with a playbill where you were like, I don't fucking want to go watch this. This seems super grim. Who would want to go see this? And then you can't look away because it's super fucking fun to watch. It's so, so good. Kevin, this was number two for you, right? Yeah, this was number two. I think it was great performances. The plot is uh, wound tighter than a 12-day clock. We fear for Alan, but we also start to feel for Sam. It's just sort of this, it's a brilliant concept for a story, a brilliant, disturbing ending. And in a way, I'm kind of disappointed we can't come back for season two. Hmm. Okay, so now we are at our final two picks. For the top two TV shows of 2022, I'm going to reveal my number two pick for 2022, which is The White Lotus Season 2. Whenever I stay at a White Lotus, I always have a memorable time. Always. And you are in our blossom circle. So you are very important to us. Mm. But I was a petal 
And I've worked my way up to Blossom. I did not think I would enjoy anything more than I enjoyed The White Lotus Season 1, which was all about white privilege in a beautiful, like, destination. But The White Lotus Season 2 was all about white privilege plus toxic masculinity plus sexual jealousy in a beautiful destination. I loved everything about The White Lotus Season 2. Except in the first episode or two where I thought, maybe I don't like this as much as season one. And then I did. I cannot tell you how much the performances in this show drew me in and how much I enjoyed the discourse on Twitter where men were like, I don't like this, made me so comfortable with the fact that I liked this so fucking much. I'm not going to get into it more. Just listen to our review of White Lotus Season 2 to hear more about how much I liked this. This show landed the plane, this season especially, more than many other seasons of any show ever have landed the plane. The art direction, the costuming, it's just perfectly executed. I fucking love this show. And it's on all of your lists. Alara, it's on number eight on your list. Yeah, you know, I loved the ending. Actually, I I mean, I loved all of the show. I love Stifler's mom there, whatever her name is, Tanya. (laughs) She will always be Stifler's mom. Jennifer Coolidge? Yes, Jennifer Coolidge was fantastic in this. I just wanted to watch this every week. I couldn't wait to watch this every week. And the ending was just so off the charts when Tanya realizes that these the rich gays are going to kill her. And it was like played out so perfectly. I loved this show. And Albie still needs to just get fucking run over by the Lamborghini. Fuck Albie. Kevin Flynn is number five for you, right? Yeah, my number five. I mean, a, a great, lovely location. It continues to make these larger points about society and politics without detracting from the story at all. Great casting. And uh, certainly maybe someday I'll get to Sicily, but I will not go out in the water. Uh, maybe we'll get there someday. Toby, well, what about you? White Lotus season two was also on your list at number five. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I thought some of the plots were more compelling than others, but the, uh, the last episode just nailed all of them. I mean, I think they all finished in a way that was satisfying and made sense. And, uh, you know, the big one was was surprising. Yeah, so number five. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Do you ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. 
TruthFinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Okay, so we are at our number one shows of 2022. Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. What was your number one show of 2022? My number one show was Only Murders in the Building Season 2. We stopped by. We suss out the crowd. I slip into Bunny's closet, down her secret elevator, into the alley. Where we can be with the painting. And then back up to Bunny's and out. Yes! Oh, that's a plan. I think this is really good. We are getting the hang of this. Absolutely. You can tell us our second season. Only Murders in the Building brought me so much joy in 2022. I loved Steve Martin. Martin Short, Selena Gomez and her deadpan humor. There was the parrot that swears, the picture of the guy with his naked balls that was like Steve <laughs> Martin's dad. <laughs> I mean, we have star power all over. Shirley MacLaine drinking Coco Teenies. And it was just everybody that I recommended this show to loved it because it was just such a fun show to watch. And again, I would like to say, I think it was Martin Short's character said, I'd rather be dead than boring. And that is just basically like my motto for life. (laughs) So Only Murders in the Building season two, number one show of 2022 for me. So Laura, for you, that was number one. For me, it was number six. And for Toby, that was number eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still really liked it. You know, the the first season was just so fresh and unusual and such a surprise that when it comes back for the second season and you know what to expect, uh, a little bit of that freshness is gone. But, you know, Steve Martin is he's like my favorite celebrity. Like, I, I love everything he does. You know, Martin Short is awesome. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's a it's a great piece of TV. And yeah, so I liked it a lot. Number number eight is good. Yeah, solid uh, number six for me. It's it's funny. It's meta. It's done with you know love for both the genre and the medium. It's an entertaining mystery. But you know these characters, they also have like a real sadness in them. So they're really well drawn, surprisingly touching. And finally, one last fuck you to Steve Martin for following Toby and Rebecca, but not me. <laughs> and not me. Yeah, fuck Laura. you, Steve Martin. Fuck you, Steve You're going Martin. Down, man. It's your fault, Laura, for putting you number over one in the fucking Lamborghini. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I still yeah. check once a week to make sure Steve is still following me and I'm still grateful every time he does. What do you got to do to get canceled by Steve Martin? He's literally the nicest person and the best yeah. person He in must the not like world. cats or something. I don't know. Steve Martin loves everything, Clara. <laughs> Apparently not, Toby. Toby. Yeah. What is your number one pick of 2022? My number one pick is we need to talk about Cosby. It feels like we haven't gotten to the root of the discussion. What do we do about everything we knew about Bill Cosby and what we know now? So I was actually 
quite surprised that I was the only person to have this in my top 10. Me too. I, I thought this was really, really fascinating. Yeah, it was, yeah. uh, you know, Bill Cosby is such, he's, he's a monumental figure in our culture. You know, he's the first black actor to be a, a, a network TV show lead. He was America's dad is Clifford Huxtable. You know, he was just kind of ubiquitous, you know, it, it, as I was growing up. And then, like, how do you reconcile that with being a sexual predator? And so that's what this show is about, is, is, is sort of this sort of dual thing about, like, what a massive cultural figure he was. And then also what a, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a serial sexual predator. I mean, there's no getting around it. So I thought it I thought the show tackled it with a lot of nuance. It had great interviews. You know, you can see people struggle with sort of the real looking up to Bill Cosby or 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 recognizing what he uh stood for sort of culturally and at the same time being just aghast, horrified, disappointed by his his personal life. You know, I think there there's an instinct is to nullify his cultural contribution because of his personal actions, like not being able to separate the art from the artist. And I think this kind of is in some ways sort of a meditation about whether you can do that and whether does his personal, uh, the things that he did outside of his celebrity, does that affect how you look at the way he was able to be a pioneer? So I just thought it, I thought it was super interesting. Uh, I, I thought it was by far the most sort of thought provoking thing I saw um, and that's why it's my number one. Kevin, can you please reveal your number one pick for 2022? The best TV show of 2022 is Yellow Jackets. I'm sure the plane has an emergency transmitter sending out a distress signal. They'll be here to rescue us by morning. Still, maybe we should conserve some food in case they don't get here till later in the day. You want to save the corn nuts? You know, it's really easy to forget the enthusiasm you might have for a particular podcast or TV show 12 months after. Maybe that's why sometimes these lists get a little more weighted towards titles that come out in the you know third or fourth quarter of the year. But it's hard to forget the excitement and the, um, you know, the anticipation of every new episode of Yellow Jackets. Remember, this is a story about the girls soccer team. They're playing crash in the wilderness. They were gone for 19 months. They came back. There are two storylines that we follow. Uh, stars Melanie Linsky, Juliette Lewis, and Christina Ricci playing the adult characters. But I think even more compelling are the younger actresses doing that timeline. Two timelines. There's a flash forward in the flashback. And it's just like we know something really fucked up happened out in the woods. And we still don't know what it is yet. But... Who the fuck fell into the tiger pit in the first two minutes of the show? Whose heart are they eating? It's spooky. It's feminist. It's mysterious. It's um, an instant classic. And by the way, it's coming back in March. Laura Bricker, this is your number two. Yeah, I loved this show. Um, it was disturbing, but addictive. And, you know, you watch the whole season to find out if they're really cannibals or not. And... 
So much going on. Um, you know, we have Melanie Linsky in the beginning and the like folding her laundry and then like whipping out her big vibrator. Like, just, remember that scene? And then slaughtering a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. And just being like, I mean, there was just so much about this show that was so good. And in the beginning, when you see them running around and, you know, you see this like, like it's like this creepy and that freaking pit with like the spikes and stuff. I mean, there was also some really sort of political, like you said, some sort of feminist issues. You know, we have the um, abortion scene, literally, um, like literally Drop like abortion scene. And that was so fucking timely to have that scene in this show in this year. It was just, you know, aside from those sort of statement parts of it, it was just entertaining, but it was, you know, there were times I was like, I don't know if I can watch this anymore, but I was like, I can't stop. And I looked forward to it every week. Yeah. This is my number one show as well. I think I said something like this when we reviewed the show. Um, I don't think I've ever had a more visceral, like G spot, reaction to a television show in my adult life. Oh, it's feminist as fuck. It has incredible interiority, ideal casting. It's atmospheric as hell. Melanie Linsky as hell. Uh, It's a very risky show, though. Like season two could be fucking terrible. Like I am 100% saying season two could suck. That being said, season one could go haul of fame, like one of the best single season shows of television in history. And for that alone, this is my number one show of 2022, period. And when I say period, I mean, period. You know what, guys? What I Synced mean? up, like, period? Well, yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Synced up everyone's. Well, so this is where you hit people's G-spot, Toby. Exactly. Yeah. Put this in the VCR. Exactly. Warm up that oven. It's an exactly. interesting date date show <laughs> hey babe want to watch little yellow jackets all right that's gonna do it before we need to go laura bricker do we have a cat of the week this week so this week we have a super holiday themed cat of the week and it comes to us from sarah royer and it is brady he is a service dog in training sarah's mom has been raising dogs and excuse me raising puppies for canine companions for independence for 25 years brady is her 24th puppy and the picture is he got to go see santa and mrs claus and i actually one of the first stories i wrote way back in the newspaper early days was about a woman in exeter who was raising a puppy for canine companions for independence and she was a local nurse and i wrote this story and then who happened to be in the hospital room when young Will was born? But that lady, the whose puppy. dog I wrote about. And I was like, hey, I wrote about your dog. <laughs> totally random. But it's an adorable picture of Brady with Santa and Mrs. Claus, um, even though it looks like he might have his little muzzle strap on so he doesn't nip any of Santa's cookies. All right, Laura Bricker, of course, if folks want to uh, send us recommendations for cat or dog or any animal of the week, they can email us at crimewriters.gmail.com. They can join us in our official Crime Writers on Facebook group community. But if they want to search you out on social media, how can they find you on Twitter or other places? What's your handle, Laura Bricker? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And uh, Toby Ball, if folks want to find you on social media, how can they find you there? At Toby Ball NH. 
Kevin Flynn, what about you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to our regular Facebook page, hit join the group. We'll let you in. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You've got the Crime Writers On After Show, Mary with Podcast. Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the Yoko Loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. One more time. Otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we subscribe to seven streaming services because there's nothing good on network TV. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Okay, so here I am for my number three pick of 2022, and I'm sorry, but for me, it's The Vow <laughs> Season 2. And my thoughts are The Vow Season 2 was... That's Laura saying that. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Did you think, like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> my words. I didn't I even like, like this that I much. Like, I was like, wait a minute. I thought I had to say I something here. Was, I thought I also picked The Vow for something. You did not. I thought I did. You did not. I'm literally just reading. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.